What's going on, everybody? My name is Angelica from the podcast, A Little Bit of Everything with me, and you're listening to Where Did the Rabbit Go with Marco. Hello and welcome to the podcast, Where Did the Rabbit Go? A podcast where every week we look at a certain claim that has been made on social media, in the news or something picked up in a casual conversation and go down the rabbit hole. I'm your host Marco and this is show 39 for Thursday, October 22nd, 2020. How are you doing, dear rabbits? I hope everyone is still fine and happy and safe. This week, I had another interview on Instagram, which kind of came to happen last minute. I talked to Taylor Wisman, a science PhD candidate from Florida, who is also a coach and a blogger, where she does lots of very good science communication. Obviously, I had to invite her to the show, and I am glad that this happened. At the end of the show, you will get a follow-up on a previous item and another segment of five fascinating factoids. And finally, an interesting announcement that you should not miss. But first, let's listen to the interview I had with Taylor. are you doing i'm good how are you good i'm ready for the weekend oh man yeah i am too it's been a long week yes every week has been a long week (laughs) yeah yeah especially with the pandemic (laughs) well welcome to my little podcast um why don't we start with introducing you who are you and what do you do cool so my name's taylor taylor wisman on instagram um I am currently a graduate student at the University of Florida, which is, surprise, surprise, in Florida. Um, I'm in central Florida, and there are lots of gators here. Um, But yeah, I'm finishing up my PhD at UF. Um, I have been in school for eight years now, so I'm ready to get out into the real world. (laughs) Eight years. uh, yeah, but yeah, I, I also manage my social media on the side. So I, I have a personal brand. Um, it's a little bit of science literacy mixed with uh, fitness and health. And I have a nutrition certification. So I love educating people about nutrition. Great. Yeah, that's what I wanted to talk to you about. So when I started my podcast and created my Instagram profile, so I was looking for several hashtags to see content that resonates with me. And I remember it. I don't remember which hashtag it was, but uh, your account was one of the first that popped out. Oh, really? Yeah. Nice. It, as you said, it's just about science literacy and some mental health in there, science communication. So it really just resonates with me. Yeah. So, yeah, you do a lot of that. Yes. So how did you get interested in science? So science particularly, I think I've always liked it. Um, I, I remember... Growing up, you know, I I wasn't really too interested in like math class or science class. But then once I got to high school, I had a, a 
physical science class where I was just like, oh, wow, like, this is really cool, you know? And I remember when I first got my periodic table, like, my very first periodic table, I was like, holy crap, like, this is really awesome. Like, I don't know, it, it just pleased my brain that every chemical had a place in, mm-hmm. a, in a chart and there's trends and stuff like that. So that's when I first got in, intrigued with chemistry. Um, and then from there, I was like, you know, chemistry is all I ever want. Like, I, I did... Uh, another chemistry class in high school, and then I did an AP class, an AP chemistry class in high school, um, and then I decided once I graduated high school, I wanted to major in it, and then when I graduated undergrad, I was like, let me get my PhD in this, and I think at this point, I'm like almost sick of it. Like, I love chemistry, I always will, um, but but I definitely like want to widen my scope a little bit more. <laughs> Great to hear that. So it sounds like there was, in high school, there was a teacher or a class that really made a positive difference. Oh, yeah. I had very, very wonderful teachers, actually, um, in high school. And I think that they helped and guided me just toward, you know, my passion Mm -hmm. for science and always wanting more knowledge, always wanting to know more. Um, And now I realize that you don't have to be a career scientist necessarily Mm -hmm. to have that type of mindset. Yeah, well, glad to hear that. Definitely. Uh, so I did not have that chemistry teacher that made a difference. So for me, it was more of the math and the physics teacher who actually oh, yeah. were a couple. Yeah, they were actually a oh, couple. Oh, that's so, so cool. The, the whole, yeah, the math and the physics class, it was like one big course. So they would always, well, agree with each other like, hey, I, I need you to teach them differentials. Okay, sure, I will do. So it was like one <laughs> big course. It was really fun. So that's awesome it's great to see how like one or two teachers can really make a difference they and really can. Um, and so you're going for a phd so you're right now you're defending your thesis uh in layman's mm-hmm. terms for people like me to understand it. what's it about yeah so i primarily work with polymers so mm-hmm. like if you know of like plastics and things like that you know mm-hmm. polymers are basically everywhere like your clothes are made of polymers and of course you see in the news like we have all this big problems with microplastics um, but polymers are actually helpful and we can use them for different applications like medicine all these different things so that's kind of like what my research is applied to so I work with synthetic proteins so like there's proteins in your body but then I make um, synthetic proteins in the lab so they're called polypeptides Um, and I work with this technique, it's called polymerization-induced self-assembly. So big, long word, big, long word, but basically I can make these like little self-assemblies, which are like my cells or things that look like a soap bubble, essentially. Um, And I decorate these little soap bubbles with the polypeptides or synthetic proteins. And then they have little handles on them so that like if I change the pH of the solution, I can change the shape of them. Um, and I can do all different kinds of things with them. And I, I do a lot of um, methods where I measure the size, if I change the pH, or like if I can add like sodium chloride, like table salt to the solution, what will happen? Um, but hopefully one day these things will like go in our body and help make uh, cancer therapeutic delivery easier um, or even more efficient. But that's like way into the future. So like yeah. it's very, very fundamental right now. Okay, I'm glad that you uh, clarified this in the end because like many people go, what is the application of this? Why would I care? 
Exactly. Yes. Yes. It's very hard because chemistry is so, you know, detail oriented, mm -hmm. fundamental. People don't always make the connection between, all right, what's what's in the future? But you have to do this background research and background trial and error before you can get to clinical trials and all that stuff. Yeah. So my my passion is more with physics, with astronomy, but I think there's a lot in common that these developments often really take decades so a scientist often dedicates 20 or 30 years of their life to just one big project and we need to be patient yes yes yeah. i think that's the hardest part is being patient because yeah. like i i'm studying like one really really small dot on this huge sphere you know mm -hmm. that you know everybody has to work together on the research it can't yeah. just be one person who's doing everything and I think as a PhD student you think that you need to do everything you just study every little concept and it's easy to get overwhelmed but, but yeah yeah and it might even happen that after years of research you notice that this path is not leading anywhere or that something is not working there and I think we also need to learn that that's still in advance because in that case you would have proved something doesn't work yeah, that's a really good point to make. That's a really good point to make because you do projects that they just, they end up nowhere. And then at least you can say what you, like, even not knowing something, I guess, is knowing something. You kind of mm -hmm. embrace the failure of the experiment and you're you're still one step forward, even right. though it doesn't feel like it. Right. I just wanted to mention this because uh, we are stigmatizing mistakes and failures and and we shouldn't. Mm -hmm. Of course, I hope that it's not the case for your research. I really hope this leads somewhere. Because it sounds amazing. It sounds amazing with the cancer therapy. Yeah, yeah. It's actually a really, really big field. I'm very mm. heavily studied. Um, I actually, I took a science comm class uh, back in the spring, last spring, I think. Um, it seems like forever ago now since it was before the pandemic. Um, but we learned all about how like, you know, specific research like this should be translated to other fields as well. And I got to learn about like, I got to learn about the clinical trial process and how that works. And I was like, man, like, I don't know if my research is anywhere close to that, but maybe one day it will be. One day. That's the beauty. So whole, the whole scientific community, it's all like one huge building that you just keep building up. So you're definitely doing your part. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so you're going for a PhD and let's say once you have that, so where do you see yourself in the future? That's a million dollar question. <laughs> it's so funny. I was, I actually met with a career counselor yesterday because I have mm -hmm. a short, I have a short term plan, which is kind of what I do online now. Like I coach people online um, and I, I kind of want to coach people in person because I just love to do that. Yeah. But is that something that I see myself doing in five, 10 years? I don't know. Like, I think I want to make a broader impact. So um, I'm considering getting into the nonprofit sector, like maybe doing some grant writing for them if I can get some more experience. But um, I think I'm, I definitely need to build some type of um, network and some type of like I just, I need a better skill set for that. So mm -hmm. between now and then, I really, I really don't know, but that's okay. I think it's, yeah. I think it's uh, somewhere, something. <laughs> yeah, we have all the time in the world. We're still yes. young people. So you mentioned <laughs> that you're coaching, you mentioned your personal brand. So what do you coach people in? 
Is it nutrition? Yes. Yeah, so specifically, so I do have a lot of experience, like, in the gym, practical experience, but I don't have a certification, so I always tell people, you know, I'm not a personal trainer, so if you need something with, you know, weights and training and exercise, you go to a personal trainer, but I'm all about nutrition. I'm all about finding a sustainable dieting method that works for you, so, like, building on top of what you already do, um, finding what works for you, and expanding that instead of trying to change everything because I know a lot of a lot of coaches just try to change everything and they say okay well you can only eat chicken and rice or you can only eat this these certain times a day um but that's not my approach because that's not sustainable for the individual so um but yeah I focus on nutrition uh primarily but then sometimes my friends will reach out to me and they'll say hey like I have this training question give me some practical advice so I'm pretty good for that too that's great yeah I could tell you that uh I've been trying to lose weight or just improve many times and many times it just failed until I went with a nutritionist and I think she mm-hmm. had a very similar approach to yours that uh, you cannot just forbid everything because in in the end of the mm-hmm. day you still need to feel comfortable you still need to have energy to get through the day and yeah that was really a, the difference and that's why it was successful right right it's what you can adhere to and keep doing long term because you know, it doesn't matter if you lose all your weight in a couple months. If you if you can't maintain that for the rest of your life, then it's just not going to work. Yeah, that's the difficult part, maintaining the self-control. <laughs> I agree. So, I agree. You said you are more about uh, nutrition and not so much about fitness. But like when when we look at your Instagram and your blog, you do have a passion for fitness as well. When did you discover yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah, so um, it's funny that you say the word fitness because when I first started my my brand, it was all fitness. It was all about the gym and gaining muscle, and like I I would consider myself like a gym bro. Um, and you know, it's funny because I I would only spend you know an hour to an hour and a half in the gym per day, but for the nobody could see what I did with the other twenty five hours or twenty twenty three hours of my of my day. Um, and so when I took the science comm class, um, I realized I was like, it's very important to communicate about science. So that's when my brand kind of shifted. Um, but I've always kind of been into, uh, health and fitness. Like my dad is a power lifter. So I grew up like lifting weights with him. And then when I got to college, I started lifting weights more frequently and more religiously. Um, and I've always loved it. So I've kind of always just been around it. And I think like when I started my personal brand, I just tried to like throw it in everybody's face. Like, hey, this is what I'm into. Um, and then like I think about maybe, I don't know, six or seven months ago, I kind of took a step back and I was like, all right, well, you know, there are other things that are important that I can kind of add into this that are, they more represent me as a person that I can communicate with my audience. Right. So I'm just noticing in everything what you do, there's this common denominator that people just focus on the results and it's really all about the process. May that be science or nutrition or health. It's, right. it's always that. It's amazing. Yeah. How did, um, how did the pandemic situation you mentioned like half a year ago, how did this change your whole routine, your reality? Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. It changed, it changed everything, honestly. So, so it changed the way that I viewed you know accomplishments it changed the way I viewed productivity it changed the way I viewed myself um so 
Um, my husband was an essential worker and I, being a graduate student, you know, I could at least like work from home, you know, do some data, do some writing. Um, and I kind of realized that like I was going, you know, I was doing way too much before the pandemic hit. I was like mm -hmm. filling up my time with so many things. And I'm like, does, does some of these things even matter, you know? And so it forced me to kind of like reevaluate what I spent my time on and like what I kind of was busy with versus productive with. Um, and it really changed my perspective on health and like some of my own behaviors. Um, so like my routine before the pandemic was working 10 hours a day in the lab rushing to the gym, shoving a meal down my throat, and then going to sleep really late um, and kind of waking up the next morning and doing it all over again. Whereas now I go to the gym less and I prioritize like time where I can slow down and kind of like, you know, think um, and recenter myself and focus on what's important. Um, and of course, what's important to me is health um, and connecting with people, of course. Yeah, and we've noticed that we have the tools at our hands that we can still do that even if we're at home, as we are doing right, right now. Right, so, I yeah, don't, I yeah, just, this is crazy. Yeah. Yes, I mean, I just started my podcast right when the pandemic started. It was really coincidence. I started two weeks prior to that, so episode three was the first one from, from the pandemic, from the lockdown. But yeah, I just kept going and I've connected to people in other countries. It's, yeah. So That's so awesome. It's not an obstacle. It has us opened us more doors. And yeah, it's just like you said, um, we have like re-evaluated our whole routine right? and our whole priorities. Yeah, yeah. I think like, of course, you know, I'm not downplaying all the people that have been negatively affected by the pandemic. No. Um, but I do think that like this time has given us a lot of new opportunities to take advantage of and see what we can do with it. So that when things do, you know, start to normalize again or have that different, you know, new normal or whatever, you know, things are going to start speeding back up and we're going to have to hopefully lead the way versus like catching up with everybody else. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, both of us, we are saying this from a very privileged position where we actually are able to do all this from home because here in, in Mexico where I live, about half of the population lives beyond the poverty line and they cannot afford to say, I'm not going to work. They're still going out. Right. So right. In a very yeah, privileged position. To. I would but, agree with that. I was yeah. just reading about poverty actually this morning because today is a world hunger day or world food day. Sorry. World, world food, food day. day. Yeah. Yeah. So I was reading all about poverty and like, it's always hard for me to read about that stuff because it just makes me so ups upset. Like, because it, it's just nothing like I experience in my day-to-day -day life. So there's always World Something Day. Today is World Food Day. Yes, it's, yes. It's cool. actually a 75-year-old tradition. Wow. Yeah, I'm a big fan. Yeah. Some of my best friends like food, so definitely. <laughs> we, um, you mentioned uh, also your blog, which is part of your personal brand, and on there you do a lot of science communication. Uh what uh, what was the idea behind that? Why did you start the blog? Yeah, so I started my blog because I felt like like every topic that I think about or talk about, there's always a deeper meaning to it. Um, and there's always many, many different ways that you can apply 
health or science or fitness or whatever. Um, cause I think I have this personal philosophy of like everything's connected. Um, but I, I love to just get my thoughts out and kind of provide a few references like, um, primary sources. So I could say, Hey, you know, I'm not the only one who thinks this, this has been studied very extensively. Um, and I just, I love to connect my followers who already are into health and fitness to science because in reality there's a science to everything and if you if you search for it if you if you actually research something you could probably find more information on something that you don't know about so i try to always urge the readers of my blog or my followers to just look into something more for themselves and i think a lot of it uh circulates around critical thinking as well um and kind of instead of just like taking everything for face value, making sure that you, you know, double check what somebody says or like look at information and be very, very critical of that information. Yeah, that's I think where you're different from many other blogs or many other YouTube channels or influencers, whatever you want to call it, that um, you don't just make claims, but you also give those tools to your followers that here, there's the abstract. This is the original press release. This is where you get this from. I think that's what what I'm also aiming at, just with a different Mm -hmm. media, right? I'm I'm using a podcast, but it's the same idea. So get to the bottom of it, to the wrap down the rabbit hole, and Mm -hmm. and see for yourself. Don't take anyone's word. Right, right, and don't be afraid to question people. Yeah, even authorities. So Mm -hmm. there are some recurring themes there uh, on your blog. One of them is biases. Uh, oh yeah what what are biases and why does it matter to know about biases so what are they is that what you said yeah yeah so I mean the when I when I you know was at the was first experiencing the pandemic you know you get all these conflicting pieces of information and it's just like all right what's the truth here um who's ignoring the truth who's not looking at you know short personal shortcomings. Um, So I started looking first at personal biases. So meaning how has your own life experiences influenced the way that you view the world um, and you view other people? And it's it's a good introspection tool, first of all. Um, So I think the first thing that's important to consider is your personal biases and how are you, you know, committing these on a daily basis? Um, and like, I do have a blog on, uh, like, I think a couple of biases. I can't remember. It was a long time ago that I wrote that one. Um, but it's extremely important because I don't think we realize how our own personal experiences affect our reactions to situations and the way we respond to situations. Of course. Yeah. You said it, um, our, well, just the geography where we were born, uh, plays into that being a male or female plays into it and there's confirmation bias right where yeah that one's a big one we are more likely to dismiss things that do not line up with our uh, preconceived notions and we are more likely to accept something and it's really important right now because your country is just uh weeks away (laughs) from a very important election (laughs) oh yeah yeah that it's it's crazy to me like how many how many biases I see everywhere. And I'm just like, you can at least admit that you're biased before you say something and just, you know, just 
look inside yourself and realize and then you know you don't have to change your mind but uh at least admit you know the way that you were brought up is going to be your opinion is going to be different than somebody who was brought up in a completely different environment yeah and at least admit because we all have biases and at least be able to listen to the other side i think that's right now it's completely lost the country is so polarized and not just the u.s it's everywhere in I'm from Germany, and in Germany we have the problem that the right wing is also coming up again, the Nazi. Oh, really? It's uh, still not such a big problem, but they are making their way into the parliament, and and also they are not able to dialogue with anyone. No one's listening to each other. Yes, it's, it's annoying. It's like you look at the debate and you're just like, are these people real people? Yeah, yeah and I've seen about... I've seen about this in a documentary that uh, links social media also to this whole climate of polarization. Actually, it's one that you very openly posted that you haven't watched it and you're not going to watch it, uh, which is the social dilemma. Um, Why is your point so strong that you're not even going to watch it? Yeah, so I think in the post I explain, you know, maybe one day I will watch it, but right now, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I... do understand the the uh what's the word uh consequences the consequences that are associated with lots of social media use and like unchecked social media use so a lot of the times people share things without looking into it um and you know something that i i read a paper from um it was PNAS, the journal PNAS, and they were talking about the rise of misinformation, especially with the digital world and how, you know, political um, political polarization happens because of that. And, you know, that, that paper came out, I think, last year, maybe the year before that. So, like, this information isn't new. And I think, so I haven't watched a documentary, um, but I do think that documentaries are biased and I want to get my information from the least biased source. Um, But I did poke around on their website and I saw that, you know, what they're trying to do is a good thing. You know, they point people to um, ways that they can get um, reliable information. And I think that's important. I think that's important. Um, But the people who recommend the documentary to me are always just like, you should watch watch it. It really makes you think. And I'm like, I've been right. thinking about this stuff for a very long right. time. <laughs> yeah. It's this confirmation bias thing, right? When, when I watched it, I was like, I knew it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, makes you feel good about yourself. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the thing about confirmation bias. But, but they do make this point that uh, social media helps us create this bubble around ourselves, right? So it feeds us with similar content which is good when you have a blog or a podcast and you're looking for followers or to follow other people uh, that are in the same um, in the same walks of life or with the same interests. But if you want to get unbiased views, um, that's the danger, right? Uh, so do you follow people who openly have a completely different view than you, who you would openly disagree with? I do. I follow quite a few people and and it takes a lot of self-control not to hit that unfollow button when (laughs) they post something that I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you said that. Um, Uh And sometimes I will actually go looking for people who don't, who openly believe something different because I like to see their reasoning. 
And that's another reason why it's important to understand that you're biased because everybody has valid reasons for why they believe what they believe. They don't Mm -hmm. believe something for ridiculous reasons. They might be ridiculous to you, but in their mind, it's rational and it's justified and it's logical. Um, So I think it's important for everybody to be empathetic with the other person and understand, okay, you view this, you know, for the same, for some of the same reasons why I view what I view as, Mm -hmm. you know, the truth. So I think if, if more of us did that, I think we wouldn't be so polarized. Of course, probably a scam call. Now the sound is gone. I can't hear you. Can you hear me now? Yeah, now, now it's back. Okay. I was, yeah, yeah, I was getting a phone call. All right, I, I've been getting so many scam phone calls because of the election. <laughs> oh my. Yeah, it's bad. Can't imagine. So get a new phone number. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Yeah, just to pick up your previous point. So like in their own mind, nobody's the bad guy of the story. That's pretty much what sums it up. Mm-hmm. Yes, and, um, yes. Yeah, you said it. it's so difficult to follow people that have this uh, way of reasoning that absolutely doesn't agree with you. And uh, I have been unfollowing things, hashtags after all, because it also, if it always gets you worked up, it's not good for you. But just living in the bubble is also not good for you. Definitely. Yes, yes. And I think there are better ways to mm-hmm. seek out com- like conflicting views. Like maybe like, uh-oh, again. Yeah, so I, I kept I got a call the same yeah. person I declined it again. These people. Yeah, well I I do not want to take much of your time anyway, um, because uh, you also have things to do, and we we're planning more or less for half an hour. Yeah, we're planning more or less for half an hour, so we're getting towards the end of that. So is there anything? Good timing. Yeah, is there anything we have not uh, talked about yet that's still missing? Maybe. Um, I'm not, I don't think so. We touched on quite a yeah. bit here. Yeah. I have one more point here on my list. Maybe we can get to it very briefly. Uh, logical fallacies. Yeah. That, that's another oh, big yeah. one. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's which, a big uh, one. Which one is your, well, favorite fallacy to discuss? Oh, man. I think, I think my favorite one right now, which they're probably, it will probably be different in the future, um, is mm-hmm. a false dichotomy. That one. Right. That one. I like that one because like it's so it's so obvious right now in the political mm-hmm. in the political realm. I feel like you have to be either Republican or Democrat, conservative or liberal. Yeah. Um, and I it's just it's not that simple. It's way more complicated than that. And you know, I find this in many other areas of my life. It's like, yeah. you know, it's just it penetrates everything. And you know, people will say you have to be either or. And, you know, I just, it's just not the truth. It's just not the case. So maybe I'll come across another logical yeah. fallacy that I find more interesting. That's interesting because there's just the opposite, which would be the false balance also, like with climate change, for example, or with vaccines where people think, no, we have to give equal screen, screen time to the opposite view where the science is really hard, like really certain that we are causing climate change. Mm-hmm. And, so yeah, like ninety-eight percent of the scientists agree. So why would you give fifty-fifty importance to these? Right, the opposite. right. But right. I agree. Yours yeah. is also. It's the whole polarization. I think mine would be the non sequitur, because 
here where <laughs> I live, here where I live in Mexico. So this is pretty much uh, confusing uh, correlation and co correlation and causation. And uh, there's a lot of superstition here, uh, where usually that's the root of the problem, where people just mm -hmm. see there is some agency or some, yeah, some connection between things that are absolutely not connected. Right, right, yeah, which makes no sense. It's like, how did you get from point A to point yeah. Z? You didn't provide any yeah. sort of logical <laughs> argument example, there. A lot of people right now are into numerology, so they go like, if it's 11-11 on the clock, you have to make a wish, and you need to see the clock. You need to see it, you need to be there. And so I asked somebody, well, does that also work at 1-11? No, it has to be 11-11. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Definitely these weird fake. superstitions. That's oh. confirmation bias right there. Yeah. Yeah, we, we forget <laughs> all the misses, but the one thing that something really happened, we remember it, right? It sticks out, yeah. So, so yeah, let us wrap this up. I don't want to take much more of your time. Uh, so, just uh, two more things. The, the closing question I always ask, so we end on a positive note and we can all leave <laughs> a little bit more cheerful, is if you look into the future, what's the thing that you're most hopeful about? Um, I'm most hopeful about just helping as many people as I can, whether that's like people that I'm working with one-on-one -on -one or my local community. Um, there's definitely, you know, there's food deserts in Florida. I don't know if you've ever heard of those, but there's places in Florida where people just don't even have, um, enough proximity to food to even like drive mm. to get healthy food um so i'm most excited about making an impact on my community right here at home um so maybe that'll be in the far future but that's what i'm most excited about right now that's very interesting and that's a very inspiring answer to hear and um finally how can people find you on social media or where can they find your blog if they want to get in touch with you yeah, so my blog is um, linked in my bio of my Instagram, but it's also the same as my Instagram handle. So it's just my name, taylorwisman.com. Um, and then my Instagram handle is pretty easy, just taylorwisman. And, you know, I'm, I'm a very friendly person. If you DM me and you have a genuine question, I'll definitely respond. I can confirm that. <laughs> By the way. Well, you definitely helped me. Uh, I'm getting a really nice uh, conversation and a really nice episode for the podcast here. It was so really awesome. inspiring to talk to you. Thank yeah, you so much for taking your you. time. Of course. And yeah, thanks for having me. Best wishes for your PhD. I'm definitely encouraging all my listeners to follow your blog and your Instagram profile. Thank you so much. Thank you and have a great weekend. Yeah, you too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you, Taylor, for taking the time and talking to me. I quickly wanted to give a follow-up on one of the items from a Find the Fake game from a couple of weeks ago. Do you remember item number three from episode 37? Well, in case you don't, here it is. Physicists build circuit that generates clean, limitless power from graphene. And back then I actually read a part from an article to you, but not from the original abstract. So I kind of committed the same mistake that I am trying to preach you all to avoid. The thing with secondary reports is that their headlines can often be misleading. So it would be great to get limitless power from an energy source. This would be like the holy grail of thermodynamics. 
But if we remember anything from school physics, it should be that energy cannot be created or destroyed, and that there will always be some of the energy spent due to friction, and that entropy in a system will always increase with time. So it is actually unfortunate that the article headline makes it casually appear that a team of scientists just has achieved this like that. So what they are in essence saying is that there was no heat exchange between the graphene and the environment. This is not equal to having limitless power. But this is a good example where we should be cautiously excited. Because it is a good concept. And they are definitely doing important research. But we should wait until this has been peer-reviewed and replicated by at least two other independent teams of scientists. I decided to follow up on this segment today and not to edit the previous show, because making mistakes and correcting them is an important part of the scientific process. And this is a good example of how important just the wording in the headline of a news article can be. But now, to round up the show, here's the segment 5 Fascinating Factoids. Number 1. Tardigrades have survived all five big mass extinctions on Earth and can survive in outer space. Tardigrades are microscopically small animals, often also called water bears. And they are really tough when it comes to the survival of their species. They can withstand extreme pressures, very high and very low temperatures, and even survive in the vacuum of outer space. They have survived all the big mass extinctions, and they will also survive the next one, for sure. And it is likely that the Apollo missions also brought tardigrades to the moon, and that they are still there. Number two. There are two twin brothers who were separated at birth and only met decades later, just to notice that they had led very similar lives. Get this. A set of twins from Ohio who were separated at birth grew up without any knowledge of each other's existence. Their lives did, however, share a number of strange similarities. They were both named James on their adoptions. They both grew up to be police officers, and both of them married women named Linda. But that's not all. Each had a son, one named James Allen and the other one named James Allen. One with double L, the other one with one L. And each also had a dog named Toy. Both brothers later got divorced and both ended up remarrying women named Betty. So I found this one in the archive of People magazine, in an article that was lastly updated in my birth year, 1979. And the twins were born in the year 1940. So is this destiny or coincidence? Let's just remember that impossible and unlikely are not the same thing. So we are over 7 billion people on Earth, so even things that look to be almost impossible are actually likely to happen. That's the law of the big numbers. Item number three. NASA is looking for penguin poop from outer space. Satellite cameras are being used to track the populations of many animals, and with emperor penguins, Their large colonies are easiest to attract through their poop, because it has a high contrast from all the white of the ice in the Antarctica. And it can actually be seen with current technology from outer space. Number four. 
If you spell out all the numbers in the English language, you will not get the letter A until you reach the number 1000. Go ahead, try it out, take your time, pause this podcast, but come back. 1000 is the first number with the letter A in it. Number five. The word for thank you has independently evolved to be almost the same in two languages that are very separate. So in Japanese, you say arigato, and in Portuguese, it is obrigado. Usually, when two words are similar like that, we would conclude it's because the languages are closely related. Take, for example, the word mother, which is mutter in German, moder in Dutch, and mor in Swedish, Norwegian, and Danish. But Japanese and Portuguese are not at all closely related. It must be another one of those coincidences. That's it for the five fascinating factoids. And before I say goodbye this week, here is my announcement. I have started a new project that I have been thinking about for quite some time, but I finally decided to go for it. You can now find me on TikTok. I'm going to share lots of content related to education, and I am starting with German language. So please look for me and give me a follow. My handle on TikTok is teacher underscore Marco. And this will, of course, be in the show notes. Dear Rabbits, this is all for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you so much for taking your time and listening. Please look for Taylor on Instagram and look for her blog. You get lots of very good content there. You can find my podcast on Instagram at Where Did the Rabbit Go? Over there, you can also participate in the trivia games. And you can find me on TikTok as teacher underscore Marco. If you like the show and you want to support me, there are very easy and painless ways to do so. You can rate and review the show. That would make it easier for other people to find the podcast as well. And please subscribe to the show and share it with people who you think might enjoy it. Communicate with me using the hashtag where did the rabbit go. Stay safe and stay curious. Until next Thursday, I am Marco and this has been Where Did the Rabbit Go? Oh, 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 oh,